Today's Movie Lovers Unite podcast episode is sponsored by BetterHelp. We decided to partner up with BetterHelp because we know that therapy can help save lives, as well as help mental health, and and BetterHelp will help you find the right therapist for you without waiting in a doctor's office. But what is therapy exactly? It's whatever you want it to be. Maybe you're not feeling motivated right now and would like some tools to help. Or maybe you're feeling insecure in, in relationships or at work not dealing with the, well with the stress. Whatever you need, it's time to stop being ashamed of normal human struggles and start feeling better because you deserve to be happy. And now you don't have to worry about finding an in-person therapist near you to help. BetterHelp is customized online therapy that offers video, phone, or even live chat sessions with your therapist. So you don't have to see anyone on camera if you it's much more affordable than in-person therapy, and you can start communicating with your therapist in under 48 hours. Join the millions of people who are seeing what online therapies is really about. It's always a good time to invest in yourself because you are your greatest asset. This podcast is sponsored by BetterHelp and Movie Lovers Unite. Listeners get 10% off their first month at BetterHelp.com slash www.betterhelp.com forward slash movie lovers unite. That's betterhelp.com slash movie lovers unite and get your 10% off today. And hello, movie lovers, and welcome to the show for tonight's podcast episode. We're going to be doing the White Boy documentary. This is actually based off of the White Boy uh, Rick do- uh, movie that we did uh, last month, I think. Yeah. Yep. Um, and yeah. and with me, I have independent actress Rossi McFree with me. Say hello to everybody. Hello, everyone. And this this is actually one of those things that I re- documentaries I really enjoyed watching. As a matter of fact, I think I watched this documentary like at least four times to be able to get everything in there that I wanted to get in there but it's just messed up on the justice system on the way that they did uh did Rick and everything too especially at being at age 14 whenever he was discovered by the FBI and then ratting out everybody within his neighborhood and things like that <laughs> and then the FBI just starts you know they have to cover it up because they realize they have a minor and he got shot right. and therefore right they had to blame somebody. So why not blame a 14 year old kid that can't even defend himself? Right. Yes. Um, yeah, I watched the documentary, um, probably three times, third time this morning. Um, when I got up, I watched it again and, um, yeah, this, this kid who they labeled a drug pin, King pin, all this stuff was nothing like that. That was not him. Like John said, he um, was discovered by the FBI when they were actually uh, um, Rick's father, uh, Rick Jun- Rick Sr., was working with the FBI because he was a gun salesman. Um, he sold guns. And he was selling guns to um, the Curry brothers. And as the um, FBI is sitting with uh, Rick's father, and Rick is there at 14, the FBI noticed that all the questions that they had about people in the neighborhood and the, the Curry brothers, this young boy at 15 knew pretty much everyone in the neighborhood. So they shift their focus from working with his father and decided 
we can work with this kid. And that's how Rick, at 14 years old, mind you, was introduced to drugs and selling drugs. And that's how it all starts. Right. And not only that, but if you look at his background before that, all he was all he was pretty much into was going to gun shows with his father. He did right. sell. Now, what I liked about this was the opening thing that we talked about on the White Boy Rick movie was the fact that him and his dad went to these gun shows and he would they would actually yes. either rip off uh, wholesalers for the guns or they right. would wind up selling the guns themselves for maybe less the profit or more more for the profit. And yes. that was all that they were doing. Like they were like small arms dealers. Even then, exactly, they weren't into the big. They weren't even that big, to be honest with you, to be called like arm dealers. They were just right. doing it for like pocket money, pretty much, just to put exactly. food on the table. Exactly. And at that time, when you know, besides going to the gun shows, let's you know um, step back because Rick was in school. Mm-hmm. He was a um, baseball player. He was the lead pitcher, star pitcher of the team. Uh, very popular in school. Kids loved him. Uh, not many problems. And he was going to the gun shows because he idolized his father. And um, his mother had left. He and his sister, from what the story says, decided to stay with dad. And so Rick was going to these gun shows at 11, 12 years old and actually had became a better gun seller than his father. He learned so much by being with his father at these gun shows. So, yeah. I thought that and was it, quite interesting. Same here as well. It just goes to show you, you know, how the justice system actually works when it comes to certain cases and stuff like that. To right. this is actually in the brink of the drugs and stuff like yes. that too. And yes. you know, in order for them to go on ahead and uh, you know, in order for them to go on ahead and capture these kids, uh, these guys, they have to actually yeah. have an informant and a- age fourteen. Yes. He was an informant for the FBI, which is just crazy. And not only that, Absolutely. but he had more than he had, you know what though? They didn't even ca- capture this on the movie at all, though, to be honest with you. That yeah, he actually right. had three or four other handlers that was actually handling him. Right. So there was a lot of confusion within the force itself. Yes. And everything. And then even the handlers were backstabbing each other and everything. Um, too. So because the FBI, you know, I remember one of the guys, I think his name was a Groman, um, who was, you know, throughout the whole, obviously the whole documentary, you know, he had made a statement saying that when they used Rick, they didn't use him to go and uh, to be involved with drugs. They just wanted him to point out who everyone was. He's uh, Groman, the FBI agent at the time, said that it was the local, you know, Detroit PD and like you said, other entities that were that was using Rick to sell drugs. And actually, Rick had made, I think they said up to about $35,000 he had made from working with the police, the local police to, you know, sell drugs and to get involved with the Curry brothers and, and others in the neighborhood. So he'd made a lot of money by the time he was 15. Exactly. He made a lot more money than his father did doing yes. what he was doing and things like that <laughs> but here's the thing they the police thought that it was more fun for well not fun but they thought it would be more wisely to keep him out of school yeah than to keep him in school because they actually needed him it was like three o'clock in the morning yes when he would get back from ratting out everybody showing what houses that right um in clubs late at night like 
you know, I remember them, you know, um, them saying that, you know, he would be out at a club at, you know, three o'clock in the morning and then having to go home and go to school the next day. And I remember him even saying that they didn't even want him to go to school. They didn't feel that was important. They wanted him to, they wanted to get some indictments for a few of the real drug pens and, and, you know, dealers in that area. That's what they wanted. So they didn't care about his schooling, what he had to do for school. It, him being a kid, it was your hours and we need you to help us take these people down because, you know, Rick lived in an all majority black neighborhood. So he grew up with ethnic people, black people. So right. he was in with all of these people and therefore he becomes really close with the, the Curry brothers who they really wanted to get an indictment against. Right. And then also too, you all, you, not only that, but you also have the uh, mayor that was involved in this as well. Yes. Coleman Young. Yes. And then white boy Rick or Rick is yeah. date is actually dating his niece, which makes right. it even worse though too. Right. So you have that going on. At the same time that you're actually trying to bring down a, a supposed drug lord or whatever, right. uh, too, trying to get all these people uh, on an indictment and everything, too. Right. And the fact that the media, you know, had played such a huge part into painting this kid into Tony Montana. You right. know what I mean? Like, like you said, he wasn't his dad was a small arms dealer. Um, Rick was a small neighborhood drug dealer, you know, through the Curry brothers, he learned a lo- through the FBI and the police, he learned a lot. But when he hooked up with the Curry brothers, he learned even more. And once the, the police didn't need him anymore and they dropped him, basically, um, Rick decided to go out there and do what he was addicted to and knew how to do from the age of 14, which was sell drugs. And then he started to get connections out exactly. of Detroit. Yeah. Right. He learned the trade yes. and everything. And, you know, he ended up uh, learning the trade from doing all this, you know? Yeah. And basically, he wouldn't have known that or anything like that if it wasn't for uh, the FBI. Right. Or, and everything else involved. Right. So that's also another thing. And when he you know, got involved with the Curry brothers, you know, they were, you know, they had mentioned that Johnny Curry, who was the the top guy in charge of his gang, um, that he kind of took Rick, you know, and, and it was like a protege. Rick was his protege. I mean, he bought him fur coats. He would ride around town and, and, and uh, Curry's BMW. He was really close on the inside was privy to phone calls that Curry had made with officials. Yeah, that's actually true. I mean, he made it, it was actually official with everything else that was going on within that crew with the yeah. Curry brothers and things like that. And it was also a very scary situation for Rick though, too. Yes. Because you, you actually had to get these guys on his side and figure out a way to get them on his side, to be honest. Right. And right. that's actually a hard thing to do when in fact, you know, you're trying to convince them, hey, I'm not working for the FBI. My da- you know who my yeah. dad is and everything. Right. So he had that going for him. At least he had that going for him instead of just yes. a random person showing up 
at the Curry brothers' house and just knocking right. on the door, hey, look, I have guns, rather than the fact <laughs> exactly. that, like, you know, so he has some little small connection of knowing who he is, has a reputation of selling these guns and being with his father, and then all of yes. a sudden, he's just dragged into it after he sells those guns to him. Right. And stuff like that. And then that's when he gets sucked into the life of hustling uh, yeah. drugs and stuff like that. And then learning the trade of the drug world. Because right. during the 80s and everything, drugs were a big thing. You had cocaine. Yeah. You had heroin. You had all those things going on within the same thing, especially in Detroit of all places. Absolutely. Too. I mean, it was the introduction to crack, of, of crack to, yep. you know, America, to those neighborhoods. And like you said, Detroit was hit hard during the drug epidemic absolutely hard and that neighborhood that rick lived in actually has started out it was like a working class neighborhood and over the years you you see the progress the progression of drugs hitting their neighborhood and remember his his uh grandmother and grandfather lived across the street from him you know he lived with this his 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 um dad and his sister who you know we talked about the sister end up leaving um, had a bad addiction herself because when crack hit, it's kind of like meth today. You know, who you 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 probably know someone that's on meth today because it it hit like crack hit in the eighties. That's true. You know, and it attacked you know suburban families. Right, and not that exactly, and also too, this is also what made people um, actually pack up and leave in that neighborhood, though. Too, that's yes. another thing that they actually. Uh, you know, they winded up talking about though too. Also yeah. too, this is the first time that we're dealing with uh, a, you know, a sentence that long, 30 years in jail for yeah. a nonviolent crime and 650 grams of heroin or cocaine right. could be sentenced to life without parole. The uh, 650, uh, this was it 650 lifer law that they um, came up with, I think, in 84 or yeah. 88, 80, 80, 80, 85 or 88. Basically, you, you get yeah. caught with 650 grams life. Exactly. Automatic life. But also, yeah. too, he wasn't even. Yeah, he had maybe that much on him. But at the same time, it was also it, it didn't he didn't decide to go into this business on his own. He got pushed exactly. into it with the FBI. The FBI put hit that heroin and everything there for him to sell. And, yes. and then when it was time for the, uh, them to go down, when the FBI was like, okay, no, who's, who are they going to believe, a minor, or are they going to believe the FBI over us? Exactly. You know, we're a federal exactly. bureau of investigation. It's our word against his word. We're a big, major uh, facility. We're right. located all over the world. Who are they going to believe, a 14-year-old kid that lives in the suburbs or us? Right. So we have and to throw him under the bus somewhere. And and which it was easy to do because remember at that time, goodness, who wasn't corrupted in in uh, Detroit PD and 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 agencies? I mean, everyone was so corrupted because they made so much money. The drug trade had made so much money that you were able to buy anyone, and that's exactly what happened. The like you said, the mayor Coleman Young, who was Detroit's everything, people loved him. You know, when um, his niece, um, what's her name? Um, Kathy. Yeah, Kathy. Kathy, when she married the, the Curry brother, Johnny, that was the niece, that was a mayor's niece marrying this well-known drug kingpin at the time. So when Johnny gets in trouble and they send him away for 20 years, 
Rick ends up starting having a relationship with uh, Kathy Coleman, the, the mayor's niece. And as a matter of fact, that drug bust that when they raided Kathy's apartment, they happened to find the 17 year old white boy Rick in bed with her, which actually started the, the process of taking everyone down. Because what is this 17 year old white kid doing with Ooh, the mayor's a- niece? Yeah. Right. Yeah. And then also, too, we also have a police officer, a police captain or chief, a police of Detroit at that time, who was actually one of the actors uh, that was from Beverly Hills Cop that was actually involved in this. Gil and Hill. It, yep. Gil Hill was involved. Yes. With it heavily and involved with it. And it was. And if it wasn't for Rick being in that gang, they would have not have linked him to anything. Because exactly. he knew, and like um, one of the detectives said, he taught me the in, ins and out of police work and everything. Right. So he knew how to get around if he needed to get around to do exactly. what he needs to do for that for that right. drug business. And then you know he's over there, uh, Rick's over there and everything undercover, and there's a phone call. Who was it? Gil. And, That's if right. for, and if it wasn't for him being on speaker, he would have not yeah. known that was Gil on the phone or anything like that. And then that gave them enough, the FBI enough evidence to go on ahead and try to investigate Gil and right. to to investigate him. So I thought that was really fascinating. I thought the, the fact that, you know, when they talked about um, um, when they finally got Rick, when they finally, please, when they finally got Rick, he was, John he was, he was, um, they were coming back from, uh, he had had a shipment of drugs coming in from Miami, a truckload. And so, you know, Rick and a friend are dropping off uh, 10 kilos to people that, you know, they, they needed to drop the 10 kilos off to they're driving. There's a traffic officer follows them, pulls them over. All they have in a car is the cash. There are no drugs in, in the car. But when they pull Rick over, he's, you know, he, he, he gets pulled over in front of his house. Remember his, his dad and sister outside and the sister has no clue that the brother is, is into this, in this, into this lifestyle. The dad does. So the cops, you know, um, actually I, what I got from it is they planted the drugs in the neighborhood when Rick ran from the cop and they, you know, and they're saying that they pulled him over for possession of drugs. There were there was no drugs. They said that they found the drugs a few houses up underneath the porch that right. Rick had, had had dumped off. So that's when he gets put into jail, and you know his sentence starts there, where he's told he's not going to have to serve that much time. Like he he thinks he's not. No one thinks the kid's going to be in there twenty eight years later. No, because even then, like, um, I remember when, well, this goes back to the White Boy Rick movie and everything else, but mm-hmm. even his father was like, you know, there's no way that his kid's going to do time or anything like that. The FBI right. is going back to back him up no matter what and everything. And all of a sudden, the FBI is like, nope, we're dumb. We already, we got what we needed. We got the big old huge Rico case that we've been trying to build. We're done exactly. with it. Exactly. Right. And everything and, else. Yeah. And remember, and they thought that he was you know, remember in the papers when Rick was in jail, the papers were, that's when they start labeling him 17 year old drug kingpin. They actually had him being the, the, the head guy in a Maserati. Uh, yep. What was it? The Maserati dude, the, the gang yeah. that the young boy gang that yeah, he the was the head guy 
even the Curry brothers was like, he wasn't any of that. He didn't come close to selling what we sold. I think that Johnny Curry was kind of offended that Rick got, you know, all that attention from being this head guy when no, he wasn't. No, he was not that. Even with that much uh, heroin on him, it would actually have to be a whole lot more for him to be get control of that. Because even exactly. then, even the Curry brothers said this. He goes, and he, I'll, I'll, you know what though? I have to laugh at when he's laughing in the documentary. He goes, "Come on, man, <laughs> you know, be real." He said, "Exactly." He's like, I control half of the Detroit area on one part while the other gangs control the other parts of, right. of it. Rick didn't do shit whenever it came down to it. And exactly. You're giving him way too much credit than what he was giving credit to. And they, like you said, he found it absolutely hilarious. But at the same time, I think he was like, wait a minute. Give me credit. I'm that guy that did that. Right. This exactly. 17-year-old. And, and those are grown men. This is a 17-year-old. He didn't right. have, He wasn't running half of Detroit. No. And imagine being a 17-year-old kid singing that headline. It's like, oh, oh shit. I'm right. going to be dead because now I'm actually representing a drug dealer and taking credit for somebody else's thing whenever I'm not. Yeah. And this is not right. even my operation to begin with. They right. just invited me into this thing, and now it looks like I'm taking full credit when I'm not. So exactly. that puts, and then of course too, this is also too when he gets shot. Oh, and her, yeah, and that was rough on him as well. And then if it wasn't for the shooter's girlfriend being in, you know what I'm saying? If it wasn't for yeah, her coming home, coming home and everything. And yeah. seeing him laying down about to die, and she calls right. 911, he would have been dead. And remember, when she called 911, they were putting him in a car, like he said, he don't know if they were going to dump him or something. Thank goodness for Rick, the ambulance pulled up and cut them off and end up saying, give me him, we got to get him to the hospital. If it weren't for that, Rick would have, the girlfriend coming home and then the ambulance getting there, they Rick would have been dumped somewhere, dead somewhere. Right. You know? Exactly. And because if he, he would have died, it would have been bad for everyone involved, the FBI, the, the, the Detroit Police Department, because the headlines then would have read, you know, 15-year-old, right. you know, uh, white boy, killed and then everything would have been exposed. So him living actually solidified him being, you know, that guy. And so he was able to go back to the neighborhood where he went back to, they drop him off in the neighborhood. He goes back to the Curry brothers. He's in after that, because why would he come back? He would have, he would have, you know, if he was an informant in their mind, he would have gave up. Johnny Curry and his brothers, the right. Chamberlain brothers, you know what I mean? So him living was was why they actually was taken down. Exactly. And also too, that's also what gave him the reputation, which also cranked Absolutely. up which also cranked up many volumes for the FBI just to go full throttle with it. Right. And everything too. That's another thing. Too. It wasn't like, oh, okay, well, he got shot. You know, let's not do, let's not put him into this anymore. It's like, right. no, he got shot. You know, we're gonna go on ahead and do our investigation. Screw how he feels. And remember, yeah. um, let's see, 
he got shot, and then remember the um, his friends, the the the, the, the killer, the the Nate, yeah, um, the hitman, the hitman. Remember yeah. when when he ended up really working for? Well, I guess when he was found out, he was an informant. Remember, Gil Hill wanted him dead. Right. And you know what, though? I wish that they would actually put this in the movie, though, too, because they would actually added more to it, I think, <laughs> by having the hitman, because I would like to actually see that. But, man, yeah. let's just talk about that. Let's just talk about the hitman dude for a minute. Oh, my like, God. He was scarred up from he looked like he had these burnt scars from <laughs> exactly. it was, I'm like, he was filleted, dude, his right. body. And on top of that. He, no wonder he, why he says that he calls himself the Grim Reaper. Right. It's like he cannot die. He's the one who gives out the order to when you say when he's ready for you to die, he, it's time for you to die. And you, and remember, all of his kills, no traces. No one, nothing's traced back to anyone that wanted that person off. He makes sure that he got rid of them. And what's crazy about the whole thing with with Rick's sentence is. The Curry brothers, 20, wait, 20 year sentence only serves 14 years. The frickin, uh, the frickin, uh, uh, Nate Boone craft, the, um, hitman. Yeah. He confesses to 30 murders. Aren't you thinking the same time that everyone else thinking, oh, they're talking to him from prison. Yeah, I thought so. I, I was for sure. There's no way he's out. <laughs> There's no way he's out. And, and he's admitting. All, I'll tell you what. If he's out of prison, he's not in prison. And everything. That's gangster right there. He's that's guy. <laughs> Dude, <laughs> it was some... gangster when he gets his when he takes off the the uniform that mm-hmm. he's making us think he's in prison, and he puts on his regular clothes, grabs his cell phone, walks out of the building, and I'm like, wait. <laughs> he confessed to thirty murders. All of them are out. Of prison, fourteen years, twenty years. Mm-hmm. That poor kid was still sitting in prison at the time of that documentary. Yeah, it's just crazy. I, Thirty murders, and you're walking. That's what I was questioning. Is like, okay, you have this kid who, you know, he's on a basically on a nonviolent crime for thirty yeah. years. You did thirty deaths and killing right. people. And slaying people, and they're not doing anything to you, and what confess makes, to it. It makes you wonder, though, too, if maybe he was an informant or something, at, or something. If he got some type something. of plea deal, because exactly. something just doesn't seem right about that. To be honest with you, and you know but, the 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 um the the hitman. Remember, there's still things that he hasn't told, because he no. said there are people, and he said they know who they are. That if I were to open up my mouth and tell, there's a lot more people that could be brought down as well. Right. Not only that, but he was also part of other organized crimes as yes. well. And not just right. with the brothers or anything like that either. He was right. well known in the community when it comes down to that. Um, <laughs> yeah. Let's see here. Missy Joe says, hi, y'all. Hi, Missy Hey, Joe. Missy Joe. And then Tanya says, hi. Hi, Tanya. So, hi. So... Let's see here. Another thing that I want to talk about, though, you know, we have Rick. He's in his car with his one of his friends and everything. And all of a sudden, this van just comes out of nowhere. 
and it was like an act of God that the uh, automatic just goes on ahead and jams. <laughs> like they got oh a couple of shots God. off. They get a couple a of shots off. Pin. Jams up, and they're in a sports car. And remember, throughout this whole documentary, um, Chris um, Hansen, yeah. who we all know as you know the the predator dude that gets all the predators. I was surprised to, to, to know that he'd been covering the story. He's the one that interviewed mm-hmm. Rick when Rick was, you know, young and in prison. Um, he was going along on drug bust and Chris Hansen was very much involved. But what you're talking about, they're in the sports car. I think Chris Hansen said that, you know, he sees white boy Rick and white boy Rick sees him and waves. Hey, Chris. And at this point, uh, white boy Rick is just enjoying being a 17-year-old, sports cars. They're at a light. Van pulls up. Mac-10 jams. They take off. They can't kill this kid. No. It's like They God. cannot kill this kid. <laughs> I mean, come on. <laughs> I can see the frustration, though, to be honest with you, with the Grim Reaper uh, hitman. He's like, come right. on. <laughs> and then... Right? You know, uh, we're going to talk about another thing too. Whenever um, we get go up into the last few minutes and everything too, because okay. he that's also too when the hitman goes on ahead and wants to kill him again. Try tries to do a setup again. Oh, that's right. That's right. That's Twice right. Twice he tried to kill the dude. That's Twice. right. And this kid was but, not meant to die. <laughs> not not by their hands. Well, get this though. Three times actually. One time was when he got shot. By the dude, by that one dude, actually. Yes. And they survived. And then the second time was, yeah, they, you know, whenever he did shoot shoot off the gun and everything, they did get a couple of shots in, but it wasn't any type of body contact whenever the bullets landed. And then the third time, we're going to get into a few minutes. But then I remember too all the stupid jokes and stuff like that, where people said, Oh, you know, you're just like white boy Rick with all that weed in there and stuff like that. And the legend of the white, white boy Rick is not even true. It's only, it's not even half true if you think about it. But the thing that ticked me off about the America's most wanted guy is, is remember when he says, Oh, I didn't put him on TV on blast that long or anything like that. Rick would say that I put him on there every day. I didn't put him on there every day. I'm like, dude, to us, it's every single day. Absolutely. we're the viewer. We're the right. ones who are viewing this on a news network, and you're over there running your mouth, making things right. ten times worse for somebody else when you don't even have all the actual details. You only have a few facts thrown in there with exactly. some fictional stuff to make your story pop, and that's That it. he admits to. That he admits, yeah, you know, some of the things were, you know, you know, pumped up a little bit, you know, for, for headlines, but you're right, dude, you had him on a TV all the time. I mean, that's how people started, you know, looking at him as a legend. That's how they were saying, you know, you're not white boy, Rick, you're not selling, you know, kids in the suburbs knew about white boy, Rick at that time. So you did put him on TV a lot and you made him into this fictional character that he wasn't. Exactly. Yeah. And then also, too, we also have Kid Rock that shows up on his trial. Right. And yeah. Yep. And the funny thing is, he actually, there is a song called Back from the Dead, which is okay. a, which is actually where the lyrics from Black, uh, White Boy Rick comes from. Yes. And everything. I mean, I think it was from the very first uh, album that he came out with. 
I didn't even know, like, until I saw the documentary, I, I, you know, you, I forget that. Yeah. Um, um, he's from Detroit as well. Um, and like he said, you know, he went and spoke for Rick at one of the probation hearings because, um, the parole hearings, I'm sorry, because that could have been him. He felt like that right. could have been him or any other kid living in that area at that time. You know, so but he slid in easily and slid out easy. He no, he didn't make a big scene of him coming to testify for Rick or, you know, on his behalf. Just the fact that he did it because he knew that could have been him. Exactly. It wasn't about. And then there was also this huge thing. Oh, Kid Rock's going to go bail him out of the out of jail and everything and yeah. take him for a limo drive. I'm just right. I'm not going for a barbie. That's basically what it is. <laughs> right. But, yeah. you know. I'm just going to go into a little bit of Kid Rock, though, on his life and compare it to Rick a little bit, because okay. his father was actually a used dealer, car dealer, okay. and everything, and living up in the Detroit area. So, you know, that wasn't about his life. That wasn't the life that he that Kid Rock wanted. He wanted right. to pursue of uh, the rap career. But imagine if he didn't pursue that career. Imagine, you know, okay, I don't want to do my dad's business or anything like that. I'm going to pursue drugs. Exactly. It could, it could happen the same exact way. Like kids said. Yep. I know? see that. Yeah. Be- because what other, what other options you actually have in a rundown city like Detroit, it's like the apocalypse up there. If you think about it, when, right. It, no, it really, it really does look like that then. And even now it looks exactly like that. It looks like you're in Kuwait somewhere. Um, you don't expect for um, a city in America to look like that, you know, and even in the, the, the eighties, you just don't, I mean, look at how it looks, you know what I mean? So if you don't have the drive to get out there and you're approached and you're making $35,000 legally from the police department, you know, they're, they're giving you this stuff. Yeah. You know, um, he made it. Exactly. And then even, you know, right. And then get this, even in, the Kid Rock song. Somebody said, I'm the best in the Motown, but this town ain't shit, but a ghost town. Whoever said they lied, yeah, yeah. they fest, bitch. But I'm the best in the motherfucking Midwest. So that goes to show you how much he represented uh, what he, where he was from, about how right. much of a dark city this place actually is. And it's a walking yeah. dead kind of right. place. And everything, everything's run down. Because you have to remember in the what the 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 fifties, sixties, Detroit was thriving, I believe. Um you had um the the they were the motor city, you know. So um you had um what middle class America, working class America, working at the factories. This was a thriving city at at one point in time. And to see where they were and where they are now and in the eighties, it's absolutely sad. It really is. It really you is. know. Because I think at one time, though, Detroit was actually known for uh, making vehicles, stuff like that. And that's what they were known for. And now those jobs are now gone. Right. And everything has gone to other countries and stuff like that, too. So, therefore, they don't have that economic booming power that they once had. Exactly. Exactly. And, therefore, you have that story with Rick, you know. um, And like Kid Rock said, you know, again. That could have been me. That could have been another mm-hmm. kid up the street, yep. you know, because we know the neighborhood. We live in a neighborhood. We know the different players. 
you know, and, and the dad being, you know, a, a, a car salesman, you know, Rick's dad, if not for Rick's dad being a, a gun salesman and selling to the Curry brothers, you know, um, like they said, he was smart in school. If he would have stayed out in the suburbs with his mother and when he did spend that summer with his mom, remember, they said he thrived. That's when he was playing, you know, the 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 sports and all that. But he he wanted to be with his father. And so, yeah. And exactly. I and I get that, you know, he's he's a he's a boy. He wants to be with his dad. And he idolizes right. his dad, you know. Exactly. Otherwise he wouldn't have tried to sell guns and everything else because his dad was good at making stuff. He was good at crafting things. Exactly. Too. Right. So, yeah, they said that he had a number of patents the dad did. Yep. Which I found really fascinating. Like I said, I wish they would have actually added more to Matthew McConaughey's character. When it came down to playing his, because I think it would have actually beefed up the character a lot more to give right. us that. Yeah, so maybe maybe it would have actually been received well, especially with the hitman though going after Rick would actually put more of a suspense level on it. To be yeah, honest, yeah, I, I I do wish that they would have added that in there. Um, you know, because learning about the the hits that they had out on him, the hit that they you know trying to kill him other times. Uh, yeah, I wish that they would have added that into the movie. And I get that there's so much going on that they, you know, had to condense the movie and just right. kind of give the relevant things. But to know about this, this, this uh, hitman, you know, um, like you said, the court scene that we'll be talking about, you know, right. um, then all also, this extra stuff that was going on, you know. Right. And then also, too, Rick wasn't thinking as 14, 17 year old kid. I'm jeopardizing my own friends' lives by doing this. And before you know right. it, they're getting killed off because right. they because they know Rick. And then also, too, you also have the award that went on be- with the brothers as well after the fight, after that fight that, that happened in Vegas. Oh, yeah. Yeah, and, the Burns fight. Yeah. Right. And even um, one of the bro- Curry brothers who said that he runs half of Detroit and everything else was laughing about that. He said, look, I even told them, I said, do not go over there. Do not try and start anything. Go, right. It's fine. Let it go. They didn't let it go as young people are. They're not going to let things go and fly off their backs like they do. They're very uh, emotion. They built their exactly. self on emotion. They're not thinking exactly. straight or anything like that. And what happens? They go on ahead. They blast this guy, guy's house thinking that he's in there. Instead, is actually a kid that winds up dying. Yeah, that the 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 result of uh, the the fight that um, the 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 Curry's uh, brothers, their his their friend Leon, um, who had promised tickets, VIP tickets, he had it for them to go to Vegas, uh, watch the Hearns fight. It was in 1984. This was a huge fight. Um, uh, the the contender Hearns was. Um, well-known in, in Detroit at the time. And he also kind of ran in, in that crowd as well, the drug crowd. So everyone was um, rooting for Hearns to win. They go to the fight. The tickets aren't there. No VIP tickets. And just to remind you, Rick was 15 years old. The FBI got him a room at one of the casinos, wanted him to go to Vegas to see the fight, um, got him a, a room, got him a fake ID saying that he was 21 years old and gave him pocket money to spend about $1,500 for Rick to spend while he was in Vegas to attend that fight so that he can go and, you know, get more information for them. So being that, that um, Leon didn't come through with the tickets, uh, the VIP passes, when they get back, they end up doing a drive by 
to kill Leon and come to find out his nephews are actually at the house. And that's when the 13-year-old kid gets killed, Damon. Um, he gets killed, uh, Damian Lucas. And once that 13-year-old gets killed, you have Gil coming back in the picture, mm-hmm. hiding, covering up that 13-year-old's killing. You know? Right. And Who they believe yeah. that Curry... You know, obviously the Curry brothers had something to do with it. He says he didn't, and he remember he would not talk on camera about it. Exactly, because yeah. that also convicts him. Exactly, because <laughs> the I case find, is still open. Right, I find that ironic. The case is still open instead of closed yeah. because of the fact that Rick is arrest is arrested. Yeah, and everything, and it's still an open case. Still an open that case. That doesn't make sense to me. No, it doesn't. I was shocked to hear that that case is still open. And and then I, I understood, oh, okay, that's why John Johnny Curry decided that he will not speak on it. He didn't want to talk right. about the kid's death. He would not talk right. on camera about it, which obviously tells you a lot. You know, you know something, but the case is still open. So not going to exactly. talk about that. And I, I get it. I get it on a, you know, legal point perspective. But, but get this, though. You also have the hitman who just don't give a shit, just t- talking. Dude, talking. I'm like, <laughs> he's just he's, talking. He's gonna be in some safe house or something somewhere. Somewhere, <laughs> somewhere. I mean, he's telling it all, and, and still wanted to talk. I mean, if right. if they could have just interviewed him, just dude, make a movie about his life. That's what I want to see. Something that is how he came up into that lifestyle. Yeah. And not only that, but he even said this. He goes, if they wanted a certain body part off the person, he would give it to them. That's for, right. And everything, too. So this is some guy that is not meant to be messed with at all. Exactly. And he's the age that he is now. So you figure back then, this was a young, young 20-something-year-old that was a hit, hit man. And the dude still looked like he was buff, though. Despite oh, he looked age. like he still worked. That's so, why I thought he was sitting in prison because he looked like he was doing prison workouts. Right. He was so big. I was not expecting for him to <laughs> wrap up and then <laughs> grab his cell phone and and walk out. Me either. That's what surprised the hell out of me, to be honest with you. And then also, too, imagine him being 23 years old yep. and being buff like that, like a tank. I'll be like, right. I'm just gonna, I'm just gonna lay here. I did what I did. I'm gonna play dead. <laughs> no, I'm like game over. <laughs> right. Even then, he was scary. You know, I'm, I'm, right. I'm looking at him and just, the, like, was he not proud? Didn't you? He come off yeah. as just he was, pr- he was very proud of the work that he'd done. He was <laughs> right. very proud of confessing to 30 murders. I mean, he was just, just, he had to even laugh at the fact that you know. I tried to take this kid out twice and didn't get him. And that does not happen to him. No. And we're going to, let's go on ahead and cover that right now too. Since we're so close to pretty much the end of the documentary, even though we're skipping around and jumping around, this is not, but it's it's fine though. I mean, there's just so much stuff to digest in this film that we're not giving everything away. This thing is actually streaming on Netflix. If you guys want to check it out. Yes. Yes. It's even check out White Boy Rick. I have that still downloaded onto my hard drive on the uh, on my Genie and everything on my DirecTV right. <laughs> because I loved it right. so much. But you know, anyways, so Rick is actually being um, 
indicted and everything else on the charges. He's getting ready to be delivered over into the courthouse. He also gets, then of course, the hitman gets a call from the, one of the Curry brothers and he said, hey, look, I need you to go on ahead, take out white boy Rick. Right. So then he's waiting for him out in the front of the building, just waiting. Yes. And then he gets a call. He's already inside. He goes, wait, what the hell do you mean he's already inside? What do you mean he's inside? He's inside the building. And at that point they, in time. They in. Yeah, they, 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 I mean, come on. They knew that, you know, this kid was marked. Um, they had a perfect position where they was going to, you know, they had a sniper rifle and all that. But they decided to take him underground and find different ways of bringing him into the courthouse. And I remember him saying, he got a call saying, he's in a courthouse already. Dude's like, what do you mean he's in, how, you know? And that's when they realized, okay, they're taking him underground through a tunnel. I mean, they wanted this kid dead. This kid knew too much. The conversation on the phone, listening to hearing Gil on speakerphone, he knew too much. He can bring down a whole department in which he, he ended up doing. Yep. Without any problem or anything like that. And, None. you know, I'll, you know, I was wondering about this though with Gil, like how many, how much, how many years did he actually run this operation behind closed doors until he was actually exposed? Right. You know what I mean? Right. Because, before Rick, before right. there even was a Rick. And you know what's funny though? After he got his little fame with Beverly yeah. Hills Cop, he's like, "Oh, I don't want to. I don't, don't want to deal with this anymore. I'm going to clean now." I'm like, "What, dude? Yeah. You're already in." Uh, you know, in the words of gambling, you're already pot dedicated. You might as well just go all in and stay in at this point. Right. But, it, you know, what? what's crazy about it is this kid still sat in prison. Years go by. Um, they had mentioned that in Michigan, um, anyone that's uh, serving a life in prison, um, they're always up for parole every five years. They're up for parole. Rick did not get his first parole hearing until uh, I think it was 2003 after serving 14 years. And even with that, they thought he would get out and still got denied, which tells you things are there's someone way up at the top that still does not want this kid out, wants him to pay nope. for everything he's done. And it it's with new people are in office. I mean, years have gone by. We're 14 years later and they're still covering up and they still have this kid who's an adult now in prison. And the crazy he thing really, is... really messed it up. But he, he, mm -hmm. he messed with the wrong people. And I think that Gil situation is what really hurt him. The Gil situation, then also the mayor situation. Yeah. The mayor, right. That's right. the biggest thing though, was the mayor situation. The mayor, right. Because I wouldn't true. be surprised if the mayor had something to do with it, though, too. It's like, okay, he's sleeping with my niece. We got a problem here. That's like sleeping yes. with Tony Soprano's daughter without consent right. from Tony and everything, right. too, for example. And, you know, that's the thing. You know, it's putting the spotlight on the mayor, which is not good. So, therefore, exactly. I wouldn't be surprised yeah. if he's like, you know what? I'm going to expose him through Gil and let Gil take care of it through his people and do it that way. And let the and let them get this. What if Gill's people was actually one of the handlers? Yeah, and do it yeah. that way, where it's actually confusing the system because he's they right. get this. He's already got three or four other handlers 
that's handling him. Also, so, go ahead. This is me speculating. There's no truth in this. But no, I get you. I'm just trying to connect the dots a little bit. But what yeah. if he got Gil to go on ahead and get his people in the, involved and right. say, hey, look, I want you to go on ahead and do a mis- misconception with him, with right. Rick, and sh- let him rat out everybody. And at the same time, after all this is over with, we're going to make him pay for making you because he slept with your niece. It, very true. Very true. That that that's that's a theory. Um, I found it also fascinating that when they raided um, Kathy, um, the niece, um, her apartment. Remember, they found that laminated card with all the phone numbers on there. And remember, yep. Gil's name was on there. His phone number was on there. And remember, also any paperwork that any of them needed. Kathy was able to get that paperwork because she was protected by the 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 mayor. Remember, he put a um, some um, bodyguard security that yeah. was with her all the time, so she was able to get anything that they needed. She knew what was going on before it went on, you know, with the police and all that. So, but that laminated card. That's what brought Gil really into the situation. And they started to look at him because his name is on that card. So what else does she have? And she had a lot. Another thing, too, is this. I like the fact that the granddaughter of the um, of the judge is now doing the sentencing, which I find really awesome because now she's like, why is it now she's even questioning things? Why is this young kid in here? Why was he doing 28 years in prison? Why did my grandfather give him this harsh punishment whenever this whole entire law was not even working to begin with? Exactly. And basically it was like, like they said, it was a threat just saying, okay, just to threaten somebody and everything. And everyone actually going to go on ahead and use it unless they had to. But Rick was just the whole entire thing of using him as an example of what would right. happen if somebody else did it. But they didn't think anybody else think of it that anybody would actually go through with it. So therefore, yeah. they put that law into effect. Thinking yeah, that if they threatened them, they wouldn't do it. And th- you're right. The 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 judge, I think her name was Callaway. Um, her her grandfather who presided over the case that she inherited. I remember her saying that, like you said, in the newspaper, they it, they had wrote a quote from the judge going along with what the media was saying, that he was basically a detriment to society. He was, do not let him out um, because of um, basically blaming drugs and people dying of drugs and all that. Rick's name is in that whole report. Like he is the sole, he's responsible for the downfall of Detroit because of drugs. Exactly. You know, and you're not mentioning the Curry brothers, the chambers, you're not mentioning any of the other groups that ran Detroit. Like, like you said, huge segments of Detroit split up between them, but Rick's name is throughout that whole thing. And like you said, possibly um, the mayor, you know, Coleman Young, it was a wrap. It was a wrap. We don't ever want him to get out. And they did that. They absolutely did that. They, they got their way. I mean, think about it. He was in for 30 years, 29 years. Yep. You know, Uh, 
He missed out on a lot. His father passed away. His mother's not right. in the best health either. Then you right. also have his son who's now getting ready to have a kid of his own and get yeah. married and wants his yeah. father out to celebrate it and he can't yeah. be there. And he's suffering. I mean, Rick is suffering through all this. Yeah. But the one plus side is at least you have one judge that was actually on his side and yes. and acquitted the charges and moved him over into Florida to finish because off. <laughs> I was shocked by that. I, he is serving. Is he is he is he out now or is, is, is he still in five years in Florida? I think he's still five years in Florida, if I'm not mistaken. And I remember them saying that there was a phone call made to the Florida authorities saying, we want you guys to prosecute prosecute him to the full extent of the law. So things are still going on in Detroit, still don't want him out, want to make sure that when he gets extradited to Florida for the, the car crime that he did, you know, um, want, you know, what he wanted to get his mom a car. He ended up doing something really stupid. Um, he got four years, five years for that. So when he did get released, finally in Detroit, they extradited him to Florida where he is serving his five-year sentence for the the car theft, the auto ring theft. But other than that, his record was, he shouldn't even be serving time for that. Like he had great record in prison. Other than this one thing that he did, his record was great. No trouble whatsoever. Exactly. And now the everybody is fighting for Rick's freedom once again in the yes. Florida side. So yes. I'm hoping for a happy ending for Rick. He deserves a happy ending yes. and stuff like that. He does not deserve to be locked up in, for 30 years in prison for something that was not even his fault to begin exactly. with. Exactly. Right. So. It should have been all just, just done with. Just, you know, don't even, don't even charge him in Florida. It should have been he served right. enough time. Let him go. He no. And so, yeah, yeah, he the, the whole Detroit system, all that still have still had a hold on him, you know, to this day. Yep. And like I said, I wish that they would have just acquitted him of everything. Yes. Because come on, the carjacking could have actually been tied into it already and just like right. drop the charges or they could have just said, you know what? He did 30 years already. For exactly. Something. He did enough exactly. time, but no, they make the kid suffer even more. The guys, yeah, they violated more. every right this kid had. They violated this kid's right, and he didn't ask to be in it. You know, you guys no. brought him into this at at fourteen years old. You're giving him money that he could not, he never make. He nope. can't imagine at fourteen years old. I mean, <clears throat> he brought it, bought his first car at fifteen and didn't even have a driver's license. Like. And you want him to to go straight when you drop him off and just, we're done with you. We got what we wanted. He was used. He was. He was very, he was By used. By everyone. Yep. Yes. But um, is there anything else that you wanted to cover within this? Or um, we covered it all. You know, I women? have my notes here. And honestly, we covered, we covered everything. Okay. I, I just want to just say one, one more time okay. so people can understand. The people that were killing people, the drug dealers that were really selling drugs and people were dying, you know, after using these drugs, these people are out. These people got out of prison after 
serving 14 years of 20 year sentences. The hitman got out after confessing to 30 murders and a juvenile who committed a nonviolent crime sat in prison for 30 years and is still in prison today. That's just nuts. And that's that just... is absolutely crazy. Mm-hmm. And, yeah, so... it, and it goes all the way back to when we were talking about who would do more time than then uh, Rick would be out sooner than they were. They would. They Remember? even said it. Right. Yeah, they even, each one of them, the hitman said it. And he was threatening, if y'all don't let this boy out of prison, I'm going to tell on other people that have done things. The Currys, Johnny Curry said, that boy should have been home year seven of serving his sentence. Yep. He should, all of them agree. This He, he said that his daughter's, the Curry daughters, the young generation was saying, why is this boy still in prison? So, you know, the system, it just lets you know how powerful the system is. And um, it could have happened to, to anyone. Exactly. So with that being said, that's everything yeah. that I wanted to cover as far as the white boy uh, documentary goes and everything else. So where can everybody follow you at? You can follow me on Instagram at McCree123Hotmail.com. That's M-C-C-R-E-E, Hotmail.com. You can follow me at Twitter at uh, Rossi Lynn Bark one And on Facebook, you can find me at Rossi Lynn on my Facebook page. Okay. And everybody, you guys can actually follow me at Movie Lovers TV Lovers Unite on Facebook underneath the same name on Instagram and on Pinterest as well. You guys can also go on ahead, get an audio only version of this show and wherever you guys get your podcast from. I'm actually uploading some of the audio stuff onto the YouTube stuff. And there's like 300 and something episodes. So each month or whatever, I'm going to be uploading or maybe certain days of the week. If it's like a slow week or whatever, not much movie news is popping or anything like that. Or if I don't have anything to review. I'm going to be uh, posting some audio stuff onto the YouTube channel. If you missed out on some episodes, you can have a good way of actually checking those out. Uh, another thing, too, is if you guys watch, you guys don't have to. If you guys want to go ahead and donate into the show, how do you do that? Just go to www.gofundme.com forward slash movie lovers podcast. And then, of course, you can go to our movie page called www.movieloversunite.com for all your entertainment needs and wants. Then, of course, you guys can also follow me on Twitter at Movie Lovers Unit. And then, of course, on Stereo 2 at Movie Lovers Unit. You go on ahead if you want to reach out to me. How do you do that? You just go on ahead and email me at MovieLoversUnite at gmail.com. And that's everywhere that you guys can follow me at. Tomorrow night, um, I don't really have anything going on. Well, I'll take that back. I have a <laughs> What About Bob movie review that I'm going to be doing with Micro uh, Micro Break Podcast. We're going to be – it's all for mental health because next month, is going to be mental health ne- uh, month. So we're going to be doing a full throttle of mental health movies. We're starting off with what about Bob and the, what about Bob review will actually be up on live stream tomorrow night at eight o'clock central time, nine o'clock Eastern six o'clock Pacific time. And it should be uploaded in the morning time around nine 30, depending on the process of the YouTube channels and stuff like that. So go ahead, give that a look, give that a like, and also to give it a share. Also too, if you like this video, if you want to see more, go ahead, hit the subscribe button down below. Also too, there's a little notification bell that lets you know when I'm about to do a live stream. So go ahead and click that over there. And also too, give us a thumbs up, give us a share and always until next time guys. Bye-bye.
Hello, movie lovers, and welcome to the show. This is your host, as always, from Movie Lovers Unite, John DiGorio, and I just want to sit, talk about something real quick, and that is Audible. What is Audible? I'm so glad that you guys asked. Audible is the leading provider of spoken word entertainment and audio books, ranging from bestsellers like Anne Rice, Stephen King, the list just goes on. Their whole entire catalog, when it comes down to audio books, is just fantastic. If you're on on the road and everything and you want an audio book and you want to download it fast, go ahead, go to Audible. You're not going to regret it. They actually have a trial right now that you guys can actually jump on. You can actually go on ahead, go to the link, and it'll bring you up to that trial. And a matter of fact, every month, members actually get one credit to pick any title plus two Audible originals from a monthly selection and access to daily news digest from the New York Times, the Wall Street Journal, and the Washington Post, as well as guided meditation programs. Another thing too, guys, that's not all they have. They also have, they also have, finish, if you actually want to go ahead and do some things to actually better yourself for 2021, they have stuff for that too, like finishing more books or becoming a better parent, leader, or a person. How-to books, which is something that everybody seems to grab onto a lot lately and everything else. So if you guys are actually looking for something to maybe better yourself for 2021, go on ahead, check out those books as well. They have a big catalog. You guys won't regret it. Go ahead, click on the link below in the description notes. Go on ahead. You guys won't regret it. Sign up for that trial period. And always, until next time, stay safe, guys, and enjoy the show. And God bless.